Welcome to Living Water Radio. How will church development take place in the new normal church once the paramedic is passed? Who will be involved and how? My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a United Church of Christ slash Christian Church Disciples of Christ ordained minister focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California and in San Dimas, California for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the 110 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. We are now at a point in the pandemic where 250,000 people have died of the coronavirus here in the United States, and we are hearing of surges in coronavirus cases instead of spikes. Doctors Without Borders, an international organization, is providing care in Wisconsin. This is coming just as we are getting into the flu season and the colder and wetter weather that will place a damper on outdoor activities. And the number of cases is going up almost exponentially, even though simple steps could be bringing down that curve. Here are some figures that one of my colleagues, Evelyn Panula Weston, posted on Facebook, per the New York Times and John Hopkins COVID tracker. Confirmed COVID in the United States. First reported U.S. case on January 19, 2020. One million cases on April 28, 100 days later. 2 million cases on June 10th, 43 days later. 3 million on July 7th, 27 days later. 4 million on July 22nd, 16 days later. 5 million on August 9th, 18 days later. 6 million on August 31st, 22 days later. 7 million on September 25th, 25 days later. 8 million on October 16th, 21 days later. 9 million on October 30th, 14 days later. 10 million on November 9th, 10 days later. 11 million on November 15th, 6 days later. The pandemic seems to be getting worse, but it doesn't have to, and eventually it will be gone. Then will come the post-pandemic new normal. The good news of Jesus Christ and his death on the cross for our redemption remains the same from generation to generation. The means we use to proclaim Christ are always changing. They will be less important than the message. What implications does this have? For the future of the church, what is the new normal likely to look like when this pandemic is over? And how can we adapt for faithful ministry as the body of Christ, the church, in this world, particularly in the L.A. area? This is the third of three podcasts on the new normal. I want to share a few thoughts that have been rattling around inside me as a lifelong Lutheran Christian and as a pastor for more than 40 years. I serve on a number of synod leadership boards and committees, and I think about where we are and where we're going a lot. In the first video, I shared some ideas on near-term or short-term, but I like near-term as a phrase for getting, like getting near to birth, changes, that will happen either because external circumstances require them or because we are already headed in that direction. 
In the second video, I reflected on how the means that we use to conduct our ministry, like buildings, seminaries, curriculum, and so on, will change in order to thrive in the post-pandemic new normal for the church. This is the third of three podcasts on the New Normal Church. Today, I will make nine statements about what I see as the result of those changes for future church development. All three are in video form on our YouTube channel, and the texts are on my blog. Contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com for the links. Of course, no one knows what will happen after the pandemic but God. We may see an influx of people hungry for community, both new and former members of the church. We may see formerly faithful members not coming back, and the trends we saw before the pandemic continue. All we can do now, however, is to get ready by preparing to be the church God has called and equipped us to be. Part 3. Church Development Here are nine ways in which the development of the church will change. 1. The Synod will become built around the deans. The deans will tend to be the pastors of the largest churches in the conference and the best models of faithful servant leadership. They will remain in that position until the pastor of a comparable-sized church expresses an interest in being the dean. Then the conference will hold an election. Two, the synod will stabilize around a much smaller administrative footprint. The conference will be the most meaningful connection to the larger church for local congregations, not the synod or the office of the bishop. This will increase the sense of connection to the larger church on the part of members of local congregations, which will improve stewardship. Three, the office of the bishop will be focused on administration, stewardship, and fundraising, and the defense of the historical creedal orthodoxy, and on being the public face of the synod in the world. Fourth, congregational vacancies will be filled with those persons recommended by the dean, perhaps in consultation with other deans and other pastors in the conferences, from people they know personally, or from whatever version of the seminaries exist, as well as from leadership gatherings and continuing education conferences. First calls will continue to be handled by the bishop in consultation with the deans. Five, mentoring will have a more significant role in the preparation and formation of clergy than is currently the case. Six, synod-wide agencies will be funded based on their proven contributions to congregational vitality and growth. These agencies will include schools, colleges, and universities, retirement homes, social service agencies, hospitals, seminaries, and so on. Seven, where these agencies decide to separate and go their own way, conferences in consultation with the synod, and synods in consultation with whatever constitutes the churchwide expression of the church or denomination, will fundraise and begin new agencies serving as expressions of the beliefs of the church in the new realities of the local, regional, and national expressions of the church. Eight, synod assemblies will be more frequent, but will be focused on worship, celebration, and education. They won't be fancy. They'll be more like bring your own lunch and something to share if you can. Annual business meetings will continue per our constitutions and the legal requirements of the government. 
Nine, decreasing services from the churchwide and synodical expressions of this church as a result of declining revenue will likely result in a greater number of dollars staying at the local and conference levels as people have a more immediate connection there and can see the outcome of their giving. I'd like to add some reflection on these nine changes and some closing thoughts. It's my guess that there are plenty of things in these notes to make everybody angry about at least one recommendation, and that's fine. I just ask that you hear me out and reflect on where we are going as a church with me. I haven't dwelled on the causes that have brought us to this point in American church history, though I believe it can be useful to reflect on the causes of our current state so that we can fix them and keep them from happening again. For that, see my podcast number 57, Restless Hearts, and the book Bad Religion by Ross Douthat. Instead, I believe our time is best spent with the principle of fix the problem, not the blame. It is notable to mention that none of the summaries of our recent Synod Assessment Focus Group's SWAT exercises, Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats, conducted at our conference assemblies mentioned evangelism or the equivalent at all. Evangelism is invisible to the participants in those assemblies. I think that reality is a good way to express the challenges before us. We have congregations with wonderful preachers, teachers, choirs, social services, and more. There are many reasons to join those churches, and I'm sure there are many members who invite people to behold those people and programs. How, however, do people come to a living faith in Jesus Christ? And to those who say that all church programs are attractional evangelism, I would say, fine. Who names the name of Jesus? Who connects the dots to a living relationship with God? This approach has not been working for us, because when everything is evangelism, then nothing is evangelism. What do we provide that invites people into the presence of the transcendent God? What alternative do we offer to their lives in this world? Do we expect that if non-believers entered our churches that they would get it? Is that happening? Why is it that when people experience an inner emptiness or a need for spirituality of some kind, that the Christian church is not often an alternative that comes to mind? If a non-believer came to one of our churches, what would we say that would distinguish us from a voting block seeking power, a nice family, a local historical tradition, or a social service agency using religious language? What are the mechanisms by which such a person would be challenged and nurtured? Our culture is rejecting the church and our congregations. Those that are left are shells of their former selves. Do we have any expectation at all that we will be a synod that receives first-generation Christians? Will our churches be more like hospitals waiting for people to walk in the door, or like paramedics going to where the broken people are? Our transformation to a church that goes to where non-Christian people are points to a living relationship with the one true living God and makes disciples of Jesus Christ of them, nurturing them to greater maturity, will be painful. But there is a power in us that is not in this world. In the first letter of John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the fourth verse, we read, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them, for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. What is the Holy Spirit calling us to be and to do now? And will we do it? Today, let's remember to pray for those who seek to derail the efforts of people of goodwill, that their hearts may turn from destruction and toward the building up of all people. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune in to the worship services they have currently available and support the church financially so that it will be there when we come back to fully physically present worship together. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Stay home unless you are providing essential services or need them. Avoid crowds and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated. <music>